Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free, private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. We are proud to partner with Blue Blocks, bringing you the most advanced blue blocking lens technology available to combat digital eye strain, poor sleep, and mood. Use the discount link in the show notes and the code CKCOACH. Andy Mant is the founder and CEO of Blue Blocks, a company specializing in evidence-based advanced light filtering eyewear. Andy started Blue Blocks after becoming dissatisfied with the quality and standards of blue light blocking glasses available, and so set about to design lenses that match the evidence in the academic literature. Andy was born in the UK and moved to Australia in 2011. After moving and about two years after arriving, Andy gained a lot of weight and became chronically fatigued and lacked energy. Traditional dietary approaches only worked to a certain degree, and after stumbling across light and health, Andy forged a passion and niche understanding of all things light related to health. Today, Andy is a leading figure in managing light to improve health and well-being. All right, Andy Mant, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, sir? I'm great, guys. Thank you so much for uh, for inviting me on your show. I'm really, uh, really excited to talk to your amazing community uh, a little bit more and um, talk to them about something maybe a little bit, uh, even though it's related, a little bit different, uh, I guess, uh, carnivore dieting. So, um, yeah, really excited to, to be on and, and talking to you guys. Yes, we're very happy you're here today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I've, I've really enjoyed uh, over the last two years kind of delving into the science of light and uh, blue light and leptin. It's just an amazing, amazing story. And so we're going to get into some of that. But before we do, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your journey? How did you get involved in all of this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good question and a good starting point. So as a lot of your listeners will probably tell, um, my, my accent's British, um, even though I've, I've lived in Australia for, for 10, almost 10 years now. Um, and I, I moved to Australia 10 years ago because I was in, in really bad shape. So I was about 30 or 40 pounds heavier than I, than I am now. Um, I was eating your standard Western diet, which... Um, I believe made me uh, quite sick, overweight. Uh, I didn't really want to exercise. Had no no energy or anything like that. Um, and I just felt like um, being in in the UK and and around sort of you know bad habits like drinking uh, alcohol at weekends and um, you know bad habits. 
it's really something that couldn't be fixed in the UK. So I decided to move out to Australia. Um, I had a job offer over here. So I thought, right, I'll come out and, um, you know, try and fix my health a little bit. Um, and I discovered something in Australia that a lot of Australians were talking about um, about you know, nine, 10 years ago called the ketogenic diet, which I think a lot of your, uh, your, your listeners will be familiar with. So I, I went on that and within, you know, a couple of years, I turned my health around um, a really, a really large amount. Um, and what, um, what happened after, after that and, and being through that experience, it, it really sort of helped me think critically about, um, about health. Um, rather than sort of listening to mainstream advice or Googling something, it was more a case of surrounding myself with people that, you know, questioned beliefs and thought outside the box and, and came up with solutions based on, I guess, um, the academic literature um, and actual sort of science-related um, evidence, which, which, which was really dear to my heart and how I got well. But what I found was when I switched up um, my diet, um, my sleep never improved. Um, and I found that it got me so far the ketogenic diet to a point where I was, I got in shape, I could train okay. But as I sort of got more into shape and wanted to push myself even more, I found that I was, I was more tired. Um, and I initially thought, oh, maybe it's lack of carbohydrate. And then I was like, well, no, that's probably not the case because I've trained really hard up until this point. And it started I started to go down the rabbit hole a little bit more of, of light because I just thought to myself, right, sleep is it could be an issue here. I'm struggling to sleep. I'm not really dreaming at all. Um, maybe it's something to do with my circadian rhythms. Now, um, circadian rhythms, for those that don't know, are like biological clocks. So we have a, a master clock in our brain. Um, and we also, all the cells in our body have something called peripheral clocks, peripheral oscillators. And they all... Um, sync themselves to 24-hour cycles. So circadian is, is Latin. So circa means um, about and diam means day. So it means about a day. And it's all in tune with the spin of the earth. Now, if those are out of whack with the spin of the earth, then we get things like hormonal dysfunction. We get things like leptin insulin resistance, which I'll talk about a little bit later on. And we also get something um, called a disrupted circadian rhythm, which can lead to, to poorer sleep. So I started to look at that a little bit more. Again, I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail later. Um, and I found that one of the cues to entrain a circadian rhythm was light. And it was actually the major cue. So light coming in through the eyes would set a timer on your clock, which would let it run optimally, um, allow proper hormone function and allow you to sleep better after dark. So I started experimenting with something called blue blocker glasses. Um, I would wear the sort of ambery lenses after dark, just got them off Amazon or, or eBay. I can't remember which one. Um, and my sleep improved a little bit. And what I found was two problems with um, with these glasses was that I'm, I'm quite a science geek. Um, I know a lot of people in, in sort of like laboratories and science backgrounds. So. I decided to do a little bit of research in the literature about what frequencies of light we should really be blocking at different points of the day for optimal health. Then once I'd had basically obtained that information, I went out and, and bought quite a lot of the leading brands of blue blocker glasses. And I said to my friends in the lab, I said, do you mind running these for a spectrometer and telling me exactly what light they're blocking? 
they did this and none of it lo and behold didn't fit with with the academic literature it didn't block everything that the um, peer-reviewed studies were telling us we needed to block to get optimal sleep now like your listeners and like you guys you're only interested like me in being optimal like you know we don't want a half sort of approach to nutrition or or sleep or or, or exercise or whatever it may be so I, I decided to say to the lab and uh, my friends in this lab I was like can you create something for me like a tint or a dye or um you know some sort of material that will block between after dark between 400 and 550 nanometers of light which is what is called the melanopic disruption disruption zone so if any light in between 400 and 550 nanometers hits your eyes after dark you're not going to have optimal sleep and they said to me yeah we can have a go so we developed a, a tint called sleep plus so we put it in our lenses we sent it out to a lot of people um, in the health and fitness industry who said like this is a game changer our sleep has never been better and we we wear blue blocker glasses you know and, and these are great so that's how I founded my company blue blocks um, and what a lot of the people um, uh, sort of um, you know like it, um, academic sort of thought leaders liked about our glasses was that they were evidence-based um so people like in your community that um are, have open minds and um, that love our glasses are like luis villasenor um of, of keto games wears our glasses over anyone else mike mutzel who's very big ken berry um you know these are all sort of leaders in your field that only want the best of the best and you know they've um luckily resonated with our mission which is to you know create evidence-based products that actually aid with our sleep hormone regulation and also help manage leptin and, and insulin as well and and again i'll come on to talk about it a bit later as um, otherwise i'll just be talking for like three hours straight so without you guys getting in like how you know it's not just food that can cause insulin and, and leptin and, and hormonal resistances it's actually light that can influence it independent of food as well well, absolutely. Uh, let's just jump right in because I know our listeners are going to be so interested in this uh, because I know Chris and I are. Uh, so why don't you just go ahead and, and let us know about how light affects leptin and insulin? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned um, at the beginning, we are governed by circadian rhythms. Okay, so you have a master clock in your supercharismatic nucleus, um, sort of uh, just literally just above and between the eyes. And what that does is that's, um, uh, it controls your body's processes by taking and translating light signals. So when light comes in from the sunrise, it will trigger the, the brain to basically say, right, it's daytime, I can release certain hormones like cortisol, um, create neurotransmitters like serotonin, which leads you on later in the day um, to produce melatonin. Now, what is really interesting is the peripheral clock. So the um, peripheral oscillators that are located in all the different organs and cells in the body. Okay. So our liver has a clock. Our pancreas has a clock. Our heart has a clock. Um, our skin has a clock. Okay. And they are all entrained by different things. So, um, you know, light maybe will entrain the, the master clock, whereas food, temperature, um, and other environmental factors can entrain other clocks. And it just so happens the liver clock and the pancreas clock are entrained by food, okay? So that's what I mean by this is that um, specific hormones, but for the clock, the liver clock and the pancreas clock to be entrained, meal timing becomes very important. So 
if you're running on a correct circadian rhythm, um, the hormones um, and insulin sensitivity um, is, is strongest during the morning, okay? This has been tested in the lab. So you want to be eating more, I guess, um, you know, of, of, of your food during the beginning of the day. Like if you're eating a carnivore diet, you're eating a lot of protein, gluconeogenesis, things like that, you want your body to be able to optimally digest and, and process that food. And from a circadian standpoint, um, uh, for your liver, that is during the beginning part of your day. Now, studies have also come out recently that have shown that artificial blue light actually independent of food raises insulin levels in the body now there was a study um, and i'll link it to you guys after the show so you can share it where they actually exposed people to blue light after dark um, and gave them a meal and they ate this meal um, and their insulin resistance and insulin blood glucose levels were a lot higher than those that didn't eat after dark and ate under didn't eat under the blue light so the mechanisms as to why this happened are actually not known, okay? But the studies have shown that it happens, okay? So people that are maybe intermittent fasting um, during the day, you know, backloading their calories before they go to bed is actually going to have more of an effect on their blood glucose and insulin resistance, um, you know, capacity in their body. As if someone flipped that on the, on the other side and actually ate more of their calories at the beginning of the day and then didn't eat after the after dark. Now, coming on to leptin, um, the same um, the same situation happens with leptin. Um, when we actually eat our calories under artificial blue light, regardless of the macronutrient content, um, those um, and again, I'll link you to this study. Those people that actually ate all of their calories or, or majority of their calories in the evening, so say maybe had a big dinner as opposed to a big lunch or breakfast actually gained leptin resistance over a long period of time once studied, um, which obviously made them eat more calories because they couldn't satiate themselves um, as much as the group that, um, uh, that, that didn't eat under the artificial light. And, you know, when I was growing up through the ketogenic um, communities, there was always a very common question that always came out, okay? And that was like, why am I plateauing? Why am I stalling? And, you know, we've all been there, okay? Re regardless of what diet, whether we're carnivore, vegan, low calorie, low fat, whatever it may be, ketogenic, there's always a stall, stall period during a dieting phase. And, you know, people say, oh, it's metabolic slowdown, etc. But, you know, a lot of it when you actually look at light is that you could be actually creating some sort of degree of, of um, you know, uh, inadequate blood glucose levels, insulin type resistance um, through inappropriate light management. Your leptin may be dysfunctional, even though you're eating a very clean um, ancestral diet um, because you're eating the majority of calories before you go to bed. And, you know, when you also um, eat a lot of your calories before you go to bed, digestion actually gets in the way of another hormone that is present in your gut, which is serotonin, actually being transferred into melatonin. And melatonin is then needed for sleep, um, you know, restorative REM and deep sleep. So, you know, when people say like, oh, it comes down to getting a diet on point um, and this is the exact diet that's working for me. That's correct to a certain degree, but it's a whole lifestyle shift and you need to look at light and circadian rhythms when it comes to that sort of overall health piece, because dieting will only take you so far. Um, you know, there's so many people that I'm associated with in the gym that I train in 
the, they compete in bodybuilding competitions. They are absolutely shredded. Um, and no word of a lie, every single one of them has major circadian disruption. And I know this because none of them sleep and they all take sleeping pills or, or um, endogenous, um, sorry, exogenous um, uh, melatonin supplements to try and help them sleep. Um, and they just, I just see them training to the extreme and wrecking their body because they're only basing their health philosophies on, you know, a dieting protocol, a training protocol, and they're ignoring things like sleep and light management for, for optimal health. Is there an optimal time to eat during the day um, in, within the 24-hour clock, like there's, there's certain hours that people should be eating that you would recommend? Yeah, absolutely. So what the studies are showing is that um, ghrelin, um, leptin, um, and some neuropeptides um, that are uh, basically involved in digestion are at their highest between sunrise and about four hours after sunrise. Now, when you dive a little bit deeper into the literature, um, you actually see that when cortisol spikes in the morning, which is a very natural thing, it, it gives us that sort of like kickstart to, to, to basically be um, creatures of, of the day and, and be able to do exercise, be able to function. Um, the awakening response, um, which is caused by cortisol, um, the literature actually points to you should actually eat about two or three hours after that initial spike. Now, a lot of people in my community say, you know, you should entrain all your clocks at the same time. So you should get up for sunrise, see the sunrise and entrain your master clock. You should then eat immediately to entrain your liver and um, pancreatic clocks. And you should exercise to entrain your skeletal muscle clocks. Um, that, when you actually read the literature, isn't quite correct. Um, I think your biggest meal should be breakfast, but I don't think it should be immediately upon wakening because your cortisol levels are going to be extremely high and, and taper off during the day. Um, and this comes back to what we were saying earlier about not eating your biggest meal under blue light because blue light keeps cortisol levels high. OK, um, and that's why we're in a, a society of chronic anxiety and depression and, and stress, because we're exposed to blue light continually throughout the day. So our cortisol levels aren't spiking and then dropping before bed. They're remaining high. And, and we all know that if you keep things like leptin and insulin levels high, then you're going to get some sort of resistance to that down the line. And, and we don't want that with cortisol, but we're seeing that in the population. So it's, it's important to stress that if you've got a disrupted circadian rhythm, which I believe a lot of people listening to your show will do, they just don't realize it, the, the advice I'm giving, like in terms of eating your calories here, there and, and, and wherever, um, isn't going to be as optimal if they haven't got their light management correct, because they need to have a, an optimal circadian rhythm to then entrain the other clocks. It's all very well having, you know, maybe your liver and your pancreas clock entrained correctly. If your central clock, your skeletal muscle clock isn't in harmony with all the other clocks, then we're not going to run as an efficient machine. So everything has to run in harmony. It's like this beautiful symphony. And if someone's not playing the violin or cello correctly, then that's not going to sound good, okay? So every every clock has to be entrained and synced according to um, the, the circadian biology of that, that specific um, clock mechanism. And I know it sounds complicated to, 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 to explain, however... Once you entrain that master clock in the morning by watching the sunrise, very important, the light at that specific time of the day tells your body 
to release cortisol, to release dopamine, to release um, and create serotonin in the gut for UV light. Um, it's very, very, very important to get that to entrain that master clock. And it's the master clock is the conductor to the other clocks. Okay, so if that's entrained, you're well on your way to having you know an optimal lifestyle. And then it's about what we just said: having that meal, big meal at the beginning of your day, and then slowly cutting your calories before dark and not eating anything after dark, or maybe eating just a very small meal after dark. If you exercise in the morning, that's going to be optimal because you're in training the skeletal muscle clock at the same time as the master clock and the liver clock. So everything's working together. Now, another factor with, um, with, with your training is a lot of people train in a gym. Okay. Now, I believe that's, that's okay during the day um, because you've got artificial lights on, even though it's not specific to the sun because um, you can't match the sun um, as long as you're wearing you know blue light reducing glasses when you're in the gym you're going to be fine um, but if you're actually working out after dark which a lot of people do because they work a nine to five job and they have to work out in the evenings you're then training under artificial blue light now what we said earlier about um, the sun saying to our body, oh, it's the beginning of the day, we can, you know, release cortisol and we can, um, you know, feel alert and awake. If you're exposing yourself after sunset, which is when humans ancestrally should be exposed to nothing more than red light from a campfire, you're actually going to be telling through light signals to the master clock through your eyes that it's daytime. So you're training under artificial blue light after dark, your body thinks it's daytime, it's you know you're also very energetic after when you're when you're training which is a, a, you know after dark should be a moment of um you know reducing cortisol producing melatonin becoming relaxed and and very um very unwound before you go to bed um because melatonin cannot be produced in the abs um cannot be produced with blue light and green light present. So, you know, you're working out in the gym or you're watching TV or, you know, you're in a home with the light, artificial lights on, your body's not going to be able to make melatonin properly, which is why people are struggling to sleep. So, you know, you need to create that physiological darkness by blocking blue and green light after dark, or you're never going to have, you know, optimal, um, optimal sleep and, and optimal recovery. And, you know, this brings me on as well to talk a little bit about um, how light influences and impacts um, restorative sleep. I know it's something um, you know it's very very dear to your heart to to want to wanna, um, to want to discuss. So when we um, go through our day, okay. So we've talked about the sunrise, um, which causes us to be um, awake. The the, uh, the, um, the sun during the day is keeping all the different hormones regulated correctly. Now when sunset comes there's a massive spike in blue light. Not a lot of people know that. They think it's all red light and that's what soothes and calms us. There's a massive spike in blue light. And what that massive spike in blue light, which is at the highest at sunset does, is it tells our brain that the only way after this is that the blue light is going to cascade down to nothing. And it happens within about sort of 20 or 30 minutes. So as we watch the sunrise, it's telling our, our, our master clock, darkness is coming. Let's start lowering cortisol down to almost nothing. Um, and then let's get ourselves ready to turn serotonin, which we've created in our gut, along with tryptophan, into melatonin. And melatonin is um, a powerful antioxidant and also a regulator of sleep. 
okay so what we do what, what we did ancestrally was that happened we then sat around maybe a campfire i would imagine um for a couple of hours red light is um, again has been shown in the literature to relax and, and soothe and become restorative um and they started to produce melatonin they went into a really deep and, and REM um, state sleep where they could have um, adequate autophagy and apoptosis, okay? And also adenosine clear out, which I'll come on to in a little bit. Now, what happens in our modern society is that even if we go and watch that sunset, what do we do after sunset? We go on our, we go on our phones, we go on our computers, we um, watch TV, we switch on house lights, we maybe have the neighbor's light shining in through our window, car headlights, appliances like your dishwasher, your fridge. If you open your fridge to have your big meal after dark, which you shouldn't be doing, what are you greeted with? A big light, which is very high in blue. Now, these lights will appear to be white or yellow in color, but when you test them for a spectrometer, they're extremely high in blue light. OK, now what's that telling our um What's that telling our master clock? It's telling our master clock, oh, it's daytime again. We can carry on releasing cortisol. We don't need melatonin. We don't need to sleep. And this is why we have a chronic sleep problem. Now, when you actually block the blue and green light after dark by wearing, say, um, our Sleep Plus um, tint that we created with blue locks, you put those on after dark and it creates a sense of physiological darkness. So serotonin and tryptophan can do what they need to do and they can create melatonin. That makes us feel sleepy within two to three hours and we have a low sleep latency. We get off to sleep quickly and we move into our different sleep cycles. So we need to move through different sleep cycles, probably three or four times during the night. So we need to have deep sleep um, and we need to have REM sleep. So REM sleep is rapid eye movement, which is a very restorative um, phase of sleep for our brain. And we also have something called deep sleep, which is a very, very restorative sleep for growth and repair of our um, of our cells, of our muscles, of any damage that we've done during the day. So we need both of these um, phases of sleep and we need them to be about 40 percent of all our sleep. So I track my sleep with, with sleep trackers so I know where I sit in terms of those types of sleep. Now. If you expose yourself to artificial light after dark, you don't produce as much melatonin, you are not going to get as much REM and as much deep sleep. If you eat a big meal after dark, you're not going to get as much REM and as much deep sleep. If you drink alcohol before you go to bed, you're not going to get the same, uh, not enough REM or deep sleep. So what induces REM and deep sleep is, is, is melatonin. So the more melatonin that you can produce, the deeper and more restorative your sleep is going to be. Now. I'll tell you why it's so important. So during the day, we run um, our bodies on something called um, adenosine triphosphate, okay? So ATP is um, the, um, the acronym. A lot of people would have heard of that. Um, so that's any metabolic process from digesting food, from speaking like we are now, from breathing, from exercise, okay? So during the day, the byproduct of ATP is something called adenosine, so the A of the ATP. Now, adenosine is a waste product and it builds up in the brain when we run any metabolic process, okay? And as the day goes on, the more and more adenosine builds up in your um, body. You know, if you do a, an absolute load of exercise, you're probably going to feel like you're going to fill your brain more with adenosine. Now, the more adenosine that builds up in your brain, it creates something called sleep 
pressure. Okay. Now this is the need to sleep, and it's very different to the circadian um, theory of sleep because there's there's two ways pathways you can get to sleep. That's in the absence of blue light after dark, melatonin, and also through the sleep pressure of adenosine buildup. Now, what REM and deep sleep does is it takes out the adenosine from your brain, so the waste product, and clears it. So you feel you wake up feeling really refreshed and, and um, great in the mornings. Now, if you wake up feeling groggy, tired, a um, little bit dusty in the morning, you know, like maybe you maybe you haven't been been on the booze in the evening, but you wake up feeling like you, you have, you know, a bit of brain fog. That is adenosine not being cleared correctly from your brain and not getting the right amount of restorative um, sleep. Now, over time. If adenosine is not cleared out correctly and efficiently through adequate sleep, you're going to leave yourself open to neurological problems like, um, you know, memory related issues, um, dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, you know, I know your community talk a lot about that as type three diabetes, um, which, you know, is, is, is within the context partially correct because, you know, it is a resistance somewhere along the line. But is it caused predominantly by um, abuse of carbohydrates? Probably not. Is it a factor carbohydrate? Probably. Um, but there's other factors at play, sleep being one of them. Um, now, another two things that I touched upon was the apoptosis and um, autophagy. OK, so autophagy, again, is, is a really big buzzword in, in health and fitness at the moment. And a lot of people fast to induce autophagy. But then I guess another natural way to induce um, autophagy is through sleep, which in essence is fasting. OK, so if you're having a big meal before bed and it's taking six hours to digest that food, you're not putting your body in an optimal state of autophagy. Um, as I touched upon earlier, melatonin is not just a hormone that induces sleep. It's the most powerful antioxidant in the world okay and what it does is it's, it's a very potent scavenger of free ra radicals and um you know oxidized um uh oxidization a clearer of, i guess oxidization of cells in the body um now you know i guess there's probably a misconception but i'm going to say it anyway because people listening to this um will probably have a different different of opinion if you're eating maybe a carnivore diet and you're eating a lot of cooked and charred meat maybe um no reactive oxygen species might be more prevalent in your diet is that a bad thing in the context of things maybe maybe not but if you're producing not enough melatonin and not sleeping optimal to be able to actually have apoptosis, which is the clearance of dead cells or melatonin to actually be going through the body, neutralizing any potential issues that may be caused by eating a diet that's high in cooked meat. Um, you know, you're not going to be running your optimal self and you're actually probably not running the same carnivore type diet that your ancestors ran because they didn't have bad sleep and they didn't have um, issues with creating melatonin after dark. So, you know, Dieting protocols are all very good in the grand scheme of things and in, in, in context. But if you're not actually living an ancestral lifestyle as well, somewhat, then you're not doing a carnivore diet in the same environment that your ancestors who thrived on such a diet did, if that makes sense. So, you know, apoptosis is great. OK, going back to that for um, clearance of dead and repair of, um, I guess, damaged cells within the body. And if we're not getting enough REM and deep sleep and melatonin to 
to have optimal clearance of cells, that's going to lead things to lead to things like cell mutation and cancer rates. So, you know, you could be doing a carnival diet, doing a ketogenic diet, doing a vegan diet, whatever floats your boat, thinking you're optimal and healthy. But if you're not producing enough melatonin and getting enough sleep to clear out, you know, replicated um, sort of erroneous cells, which happens naturally as we age, um, you know, you're going to you're going to have the best diet in the world, but still get susceptible to things like, you know, maybe cancers or, um, you know, other sort of nasty issues as well. So I guess it's um, what I'm trying to say really is that sleep really governs your dieting and, and lifestyle protocols um, through, I guess, management and neutralization of, of any maybe potentially harmful effects. And, and nature is very, very clever, okay? Um, if something isn't, you know, so, so say with the meat example, if it's producing, you know, maybe something in the body that, um, you know, it, it produces fabulous results, fabulous health, but there is one thing in it that perhaps, you know, oxidization that perhaps isn't quite healthy for us. Nature puts something in there to counteract that being melatonin and, and being able to, to clear that out and make it make everything really healthy lifestyle wise. But, you know, if we take one of those components away, then maybe that diet isn't going to be optimal in the long run. So it's a whole sort of lifestyle thing that that we need to pinpoint and not just rely on one thing. And, and that's what I guess annoys me somewhat about the people in my um, community that only sort of focus on light and it's what annoys me about people in your community that um, focus solely on food or maybe the people in the exercise community that say I don't care about dieting it's all about exercise I think we need to look at things a little bit cl more clever and we need to say to ourselves you know these guys over here these carnivore guys because my diet's pretty much carnivore I, I, I'll say that now about 90% of the food I eat is meat um, have got it spot on however what they haven't got spot on is the light now, what the light guys have got spot on is that light is an issue and it, um, you know, they manage it and get really good sleep. But they're saying you can eat anything if that happens. No, that's not the case. So it's a case of, you know, and this is why that I like talking to um, people like yourselves, because I want to bridge those communities. I want to say, you know, let's look at this holistically. Let's look at this from different angles and let's create ourselves to be the most optimal humans we can. Awesome. I love it, Andy. And yeah, that's a big, a big focus of, of the show is returning to ancestral wisdom, returning to nature, and just that health is endogenous. It's from within and the body has these onboard healing and repairing mechanisms that all we need to do is just support them. And so I love, love, love what you're doing. And uh, thank you so much. I feel like we could go for another hour. And, and only be scratching the surface. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it's um, it's it's really interesting. And you know, like we was we were alluding to earlier, like the anecdote that um, nature puts in. So I'll just fire out a couple of rebuttals here that that your community will say. They'll be like, well, the sky's blue. There's loads of blue light every day. So why are our you know why aren't our eyes being damaged? And it's like, well, they are. Blue light, regardless to whether it comes from artificial light or the sun, is is degrading and destroying cells in your eyes. Now, what's the what's the uh, what's the antidote from the sun? Red light. What's not found in LED and artificial lights? Red light. So what's happening is we're going out in the sun, and yeah, there's the, the blue light will be causing damage, but we've got the red light to restore that damage during the day. So being outside without sunglasses on isn't going to damage your um, isn't going to damage your eyes with context applied. Obviously, if you're walking in the middle of a desert for nine hours a day without sunglasses on you're going to have a problem um 
So, you know, we've got to look at things like that, we've got to apply context. So the sun has the antidote. If you're, you know, looking at your smartphone on the computer or un working under artificial light, when you test it for a, a spectrometer, um, and if you go on Blue Block's YouTube channel, we do all the spectrometer tests live on camera to show you the spikes in blue and green in different light sources. And you can see that, you know, LED and fluorescent light is massively spiked in the blue with a very tiny amount of red. So our eyes are being bombarded and over, um, like sort of literally bombarded constantly with blue light with no red light to restore any of the damage. And that's why during the day people wear computer glasses um, to filter down some of that blue light or maybe have a salt lamp next to their desk. Um, they get regular sun breaks, you know. People say like, oh, but I can't go out and get regular sun breaks. I work in an office. Okay, well, what do smokers do? They go out for a smoke break. Just tell your boss you're going out for a sun break, you know, or just say you smoke and just go out and stand outside for a little bit. Because um, it's very important to get sunlight regularly throughout the day because sunlight changes in its spectrum throughout the day and it's those different spectrums of light that tell our um body clock that it's you know specific times of the day and to release specific hormones so you know it's very important to get out at different times of the day now one study i did want to tell you guys about and i think that chris you probably um i think you shared this as well was the one that came out in nature a couple of weeks ago that spoke about breast milk now, um, they looked into um, whether breast milk was circadian and chronobiologically um, basically produced by, um, by, by the woman. Now, what they found was they tested breast milk at different times during the day, okay? So uh, the woman would have, say, pumped this um, breast milk into bottles. Um, they labeled those bottles with, with the time of the day. And what they found was that when um, the female produced milk during the daytime, so between sunrise and um, sunset, the milk was very high in cortisol um, and serotonin, okay? So for, for during the day, that would make complete sense. You give that to the baby, um, and it's full of the hormone cortisol during the day, which makes it feel alert and awake, and it's in training its, its biological rhythm. It has a lot of serotonin in it, which is needed later in the day, as we mentioned, in the absence of blue and green light to create melatonin. And what they found was when they tested the mother's breast milk that was produced after sunset and through the night, it had no cortisol or serotonin in it, but it had very high concentrations of tryptophan and melatonin. So this 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 study gave me goosebumps because it's just like oh my god this is just everything we're talking about in terms of like hormonal regulation that light is affecting how the the mother is producing milk and how the concentration of that milk at specific times of the day is produced for that reason is to give that baby a proper circadian rhythm and a proper sleep um and, and obviously optimal health now what what is happening in today's world is you know, mum is, is pumping the breast milk, putting it all in the fridge, not knowing what time of the day that she's pumped that. So you could be giving your baby daytime pumped breast milk in the middle of the night, which is full of cortisol. And what does cortisol do? It makes you feel awake and, 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 and alive and, and, you know, full of energy. So no wonder these, these mums aren't sleeping. Um, and, you know, what you're trying to do with your child is, you, you know, a baby is not born with a circadian rhythm. So you want to give it the optimal 
start in life by entraining that circadian rhythm. And if you're messing around with the breast milk, then that's going to take a lot longer period of time for, um, say, the baby to develop a circadian rhythm. That's if they even develop it properly at all. So we're seeing an increase in childhood obesity people feeling depressed and anxious when they're young. Now, is this in relation to the diets they're eating? Again, probably, but is that the whole um, sort of cause of this issue? Probably not. They've probably got mismatched circadian um, rhythms creating, you know, higher levels of, of insulin resistance in them at a younger age, chronic levels of cortisol, which is leading them to feel anxious and depressed, um, and also a, a dysregulation of the entire circadian system, which is causing them to have and develop earlier leptin and insulin resistance or have a harder time digesting things like carbohydrates, um, which is leading them to gain weight quite quickly, feel depressed, anxious, and then just have that sort of you know, issue for the rest of their life and, until they stumble across the likes of you guys or the likes of me that say, well, this is what you need to do to fix that. So, you know, it all comes down to, you know, I know a lot of people like Jason Fung's a big guy in your, your community. Okay. Like Jason talks about hormones and how obesity is the hormonal um, dysregulation of, of specific hormones um, in essence. And, you know, Jason, focuses heavily on that being the cause of that being food but he also is starting to realize that hormones are regulated by our circadian rhythms um so this is why i like jason's work because he is almost there in terms of saying well you know food sleep exercise it all comes into it and it's all circadian and it's all about sort of you know meal timing exercise timing it's all about how the hormones it's not just about saying i want lots of melatonin i want less cortisol We've got to apply context to it. I want a lot of cortisol during the day, but I want none of it after dark. I don't really want any melatonin during the day, but I want a lot of it after dark. So, you know, it's about finding those hormones and being like, when do I want them to be high and low in relation to circadian biology? So, you know, it, it, there's definitely a lot of synergies and there's definitely um, between nutrition and, I guess, um, chronobiology, which is what we um, we work with at Blue Blocks. And um, yeah, it's really interesting when you look at it and you see some missing links between the two and you're just like, well, nutrition people, I can plug your gap here with light. And, you know, you guys go, well, chronobiology people, I can plug your gap here with food. So, you know, I think it's just so many synergies between the two. I really do. Absolutely. I think everything is tied together and I'm in 100% agreement with you. And one observation that I notice because I work in pharmacy is a majority of the population is supplementing with melatonin, thinking that the more melatonin they take, they can induce sleep and you really can't out supplement a mismatched circadian rhythm. That is correct, yeah. And, and melatonin supplementation is, is, is really bad for two reasons, okay? The first reason is that over time, and, and again, only in mouse studies, I will caveat that, it thins the retina um which is which is not good you don't want to be doing that um you know our furry little little cousins um do tell us a lot about um you know sort of of, of health i know people say that you know a rat study is just a rat study if um it doesn't uh, um back your beliefs but if it backs your beliefs then wow what a study you know so we just got to look at um look at that contextually um another thing as well is you know what we've been speaking about for the last sort of half an hour is that how is melatonin produced? Okay, melatonin is produced in the absence of blue and green light. So what happens when Joe Bloggs pops his melatonin pill 
sat looking, sat under an artificial light before bed watching TV. Your body doesn't know it's nighttime. It thinks it's the middle of the day. Like, what's that going to do to your, your hormone regulation? It's going to absolutely wreck it. So that's why you can produce as much melatonin as you want naturally. People just will maybe go to the doctors, get a test and be like, you're not producing enough melatonin. Here's some pills. Typical pharmacy. Um, related approach and you guys will know that because we, we we've all been to a, to a doctor and they say here's some here's some pills this will make you better um and this is what annoys me about supplementation like i, I don't supplement i'm very against supplementation um I, I don't do it i think you can get everything you need naturally and i think that in the context of things supplementation is good in context if you have a i guess uh a genetic you know defect and, and you need to do it or something like that so I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you like that i'm glad you like that. um and and you know so many people out there are, are pumping you know their supplement side of things which which annoys me because you can you know pay a hundred dollars a month to buy melatonin pills um you know probably in previous sleep a little bit what are you doing to your long-term health probably not good things or you can produce that same amount of melatonin um, by wearing blue blocker glasses after dark and, and feeling optimal. And, you know, the body produces melatonin in each of us differently. OK, so, you know, I might produce more melatonin than you and Chris might produce more melatonin than me. But, you know, if we are just taking that one size fits all and smashing a few melatonin pills, how do we know that we're not taking too much melatonin? Do we want we, we don't want too much in our system? You know, our body will produce enough melatonin if you know to deal with any of the issues during the, the you know like we said the antioxidant effect and, and and sleep if our lifestyle is on point um you know if we're not having the blue light after dark if we're managing it during the day um and you know it's all very well as well and talking about melatonin saying that all i need to do is put on some blue blockers and um i'll produce a, a ton of melatonin again the context applies here you need tryptophan and you need serotonin to produce melatonin, okay? Now, where do you get tryptophan and serotonin from? It's made in the gut, and it's made by UV light, okay? Um, you can get a, a minimal amount from things like turkey and you know other meats and things, but when you look at the bioavailability of actually getting that out of, of the meat and putting it into your gut, it's actually through nutrition, it's, it's slim to none, maybe one or 2%. UV light creates tryptophan and it creates serotonin now what do we do as a population when we go outside we put sun cream on what does sun cream do to us it blocks uv light so we're not then producing enough serotonin and melatonin in our guts to then produce enough melatonin later on during the day and this is why people are so you know chronically sleep deprived as well not just because of the blue light after dark which is a massive massive thing don't get me wrong it's because they're not exposing themselves to enough sunlight now i'm not saying to people get up at 11 a.m and go and lie out in the sun between 12 and 3 i'm not saying that okay i'm saying if your circadian rhythm is correct and you're getting up in the morning and watching the sunrise and maybe you know you're, you're outside for half an hour in the mornings there's hardly any uv radiation in the morning okay it's a lot of infrared light um, and it's a lot of reds and blues. Now, what that does when you're outside is it builds a pigment in your body called melanin. Now, melanin is a, a UV absorbing pigment. OK, now, when you build up your melanin, we, we call it a solar callus. You build up your solar callus. You can then go out 
at 11 till three without sun cream on and you won't burn. And I'm testament for that. I used to do do the opposite. And I used to burn. I went to the Maldives uh, last Christmas um, and just let out in the sun all day for about 10 days. And I was just brown. I was no, no sun cream. I did not burn. Um, and that when UV is highest in the day, we've got to have the protection. So what we're doing with a disrupted circadian rhythm is we are doing two things. OK, we're, we're creating something called social jet lag okay which is um you know mismatch another word for a mismatch circadian rhythm so we're perhaps getting up with a nine to five worker we're getting up at 7 a.m we're switching on our lights we're jumping in the shower we're not going outside we're getting in our car driving to work going into an artificially lit office and then at the weekend what we're doing is the weather's beautiful we're going to go down the beach and get a suntan we either smother ourselves with sun cream and get no uv we don't put sun cream on and we burn to a crisp okay so that's 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 example number one. Example number two is the student that is staying up late all night. Um, maybe it's, again, someone that's perhaps unemployed as well. They're staying up a bit later watching TV, perhaps not getting up till eight, nine, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock in the morning. They've missed the sunrise. Then they're like, oh, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to have a dip in the pool. Um, forgets to put sun cream on and burns to a crisp. So what they need to do is these people haven't built up melanin, which is a natural sunscreen. So this is, again, again, what annoys me about my community is they're like, get out in the sun, don't wear sun cream. But they don't explain the evidence and the science behind how your biological system actually counteracts the negative effects of UV. So UV, again, nature's. This is nature again, putting the caveat in. UV is fantastic. It creates serotonin. It creates vitamin D. It helps with tryptophan. Um, yet the contact, the, the too much um, UV is not good for us because it can cause things like cataracts. It can cause burning um, of the skin. So what does it put in place? It puts in melanin. So the more we're out in the sun in the morning, the more melanin we're going to produce, which will mean more UV absorption that's not, you know, by the melanin. So it's not going into um, and damaging cells. It's the, the right amount is going into the gut, et cetera. Um, so, you know, it's very important to look at it from a contextual standpoint, you know, like you've got to get that morning sun. If you don't get that morning sun, it doesn't matter if you go out in the sun during the day, you are still going to be off. Okay. Now, one thing that leads back to the circadian, I guess, entrainment side of things is that when you measure the color, temperature and spectrum of artificial light. So this is this is any light admitted from the things we said. So your computer, your phone or your house light, etc. They closely correspond to solar noon. So midday. So if you're getting up and not watching the sunrise and flicking on your your phone or your light, what are you telling your body is the time of the day? You're saying it's midday straight away. So your body isn't going to release all the hormones you need to have released um, and neurotransmitters during the first part of the day because your body is like, oh, there hasn't been any sunrise. It's just midday now. Let's just keep ticking and um, start our day at, at midday. And then you might get tired earlier. You might get tired later. You'll get a circadian phase shift. So, you know, light isn't just light it it's all so so different and people are starting to understand it a lot more but they need to understand that it is critical for hormone health and optimal well-being awesome well this was amazing and i know that our listeners are going to love it and dig dig deeper into it um 
you obviously know your stuff. It comes out in your product. I just have to say personally, I love blue blocks. I've, I've been in this for about two years wearing cheap blue blockers I buy on Amazon. And, you know, yeah. hey, it was what it was. But blue blocks are a game changer. And I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, I've seen my sleep improve. It's been moving the scale. It's been doing all kinds of really, really good things. So I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, we'll share with the listeners and put in the show notes a link and get a little discount and all that. But tell these guys, how, how can they find you? We're going to have to wrap it up here. How can they find yeah. you and where can they dig into some more of this great science and information? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm very active um, in, a, in a group that I created um, a while ago called Light and Health. So if you just Google light and health, um, it's just a picture of someone watching the sunrise. You'll, you'll see it um, and we'll let, let you into that group. And it's a very beginner level group. OK, so we don't want to be putting out all the like technical jargon and all that out there. We want to be saying, here's a study. If you want to read this study, read it. But this is what it's saying in layman terms. OK, um, and it's a very, very friendly, um, really nice group. We have a lot of people that come from the food side and post in that group. And, you know, no one's like, going, oh, you know, nothing. You're a food person. It's we, we want to help people understand. So we've got some really big names in that group in, in the light and health field um, that, that, that weigh in. And I post there sort of three or four times a week with all the all the latest science that's out there. OK, so that's the best place to, to come and learn. Um, and also our website. Um, I personally write the blogs on the website. So there's a few really good starting points on there, like what frequencies of light you need to block. Is insulin resistance a disease of light? Um, how sleep works. There's some really good blogs on there. So the blog section of our web website, just jump on, have a read. Um, and also if you Google, if you want to listen to me speak a little bit more, if people Google my name and podcast, um, there's hundreds I've been on. Um, so you can go from really, really technical um, to sort of a mid-level conversation like like we've had today or even more basic still, which is very, very basic sort of, right, this is how it works, ABC, this is what to do, this is how to hack your environment. So whatever level you're at, there will be um, there'll be some, some education out there for you that I put out there. Um, and also just dropping us an email at contact at blueblocks.com is, is good to do as well. So what we say is if you are just starting out and starting to understand this and you, you're not sure what you need to do in terms of what glasses you need from us um, and also drop us an email is what I'm trying to say is and say, describe your light environment to us and we will come back to you and we will say, number one, these are the glasses you'll need, but two, here are some free hacks you can do to improve your light hygiene and light environment. Um, and, and we have all that listed out. Like we don't, we won't go into what it is here, but if people are interested in that, then drop us a, a, a line and we'll give you like, you know, five or six different easy free steps to use to um, manage your light environment and just, you know, get those scales moving again or just feel better, you know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We would love to have you on again sometime. And yeah, dig a little deep absolutely. Into, into some of these topics. Yeah, thanks for listening to me uh, preach about light. I, I, I love talking about it. And I, I, I just hope that, um, you know, people that are listening to this, like, take it as seriously as, as the three of us do and, um, you know, really add this to their, you know, lifestyle protocol and just become next level humans, really. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.